Hey guys, it's Pastors Aaron and Terry Bagwell, and we wanted to say thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to share it with a friend to keep others around you encouraged throughout the week. We hope you have a blessed day and enjoy the podcast. God bless you. All right. Well, welcome to church, and it's a great day to be here because we are kicking off a brand new four-week series called Anchor, and uh, today we're going to be talking about Anchored by Hope. And as we get into this series, uh, you should know it's built around a single Bible verse, the whole series, Hebrews six nineteen, and it says this, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Actually, it's not even the entire verse. I know it sounds pretty ambitious to actually talk about half of a verse for four weeks, and you might think I'm crazy, but that's the power of the Bible and the living word because it speaks to us in each and every season of our life. And no matter what we're going through, the victorious times, the challenging times, the word is living. It's rhema in the Greek. It's alive, and it's taking us through. And I pray that um, one of the things that we all grab from this series over the next few weeks is a renewed interest in Scripture because we can apply it in the living word context to our life. Can we all say amen? But, you know, we're getting on anchors today. So I want us to just dive in for a second, just get in. How many know what an anchor is? (laughs) I got a cool one here I found. You know, there's a lot of pictures of anchors. If you have that one, you can throw it up at this time. But this is uh, an anchor on a ship that... uh, Oh, it's coming. Don't worry. I mean, we know what the anchor looks like. I'm just going to start talking about the anchor, though. It's going to come. But the anchor is really an amazing invention, if you think about it, in its simplicity. It's been used by fishermen and sailors for hundreds, if not thousands, for years. The basic concept of the anchor is it's a device normally made of metal, and it's used to secure a vessel to the bed of a body of water to prevent the craft from drifting due to wind or current. An anchor is simple in its design, but very powerful in its function. And you know, as believers, we are encouraged to remain steadfast and committed in our faith through every trial, every storm that life may bring. We are anchored in hope, and that hope is Jesus. Can we say amen? So I want to give you three things today, three things, and if you're writing stuff down or Uh, write these ones down. And and the first one I want to get into today is that we are anchored in his promises. And I want us to pray at this point. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask for the next few minutes that, Lord, these words not just be from my mouth. God, Lord, I'm just a human. I'm just a vessel. But Holy Spirit, I pray that these words be life to every ear who hears them. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you communicate your desires from heaven for our lives through clay vessels such as myself. And so, God, today, I pray this blesses somebody. I pray this encourages somebody. And I pray people walk out of here knowing that, Lord, you are going to hold us through every storm in our faith in Jesus. And we all say amen. We are anchored in his promises. So write this down or you take pictures if you do that. Uh, Throw that point back up if you have it. We are anchored in his promises. 
As we're talking about being anchored today, being connected to something and locked in, there's a few aspects I want to get into this morning because today the message is called Anchored by Hope. And first, as we're anchored in his promises, I want us to understand this scripture of Hebrews 6.19 better. And, uh, but to better understand it, I want us to read a few verses before it. So we're going to start at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. And it says that God's promises bring hope. In verse 13, for example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Isn't that powerful? See, in Scripture, it says, now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold on to it. We see this in the natural even to this day. It reminds me a little bit of the FDIC. This is uh, something that our federal government set up after the Great Depression because all the banks started failing. We're starting to see a few more of them fail today, aren't we? That the banking system that seems you know, perfect and never breaking, does break. So the government said, hey, just to make you feel a little better, put your money back in the banks. We'll, we'll guarantee you. We got you up to, you know, I think it was 100000 for a long time. Then they increased it again, 250 You know, the government keeps doing these things to say, hey, if the bank fails, big brother here, we got you. And so it, it, it's this idea of an assurance, right, that helps people say, well, if, if the bank shuts down, um, at least the government, I can count on the U.S. government to, you know, get my back and replenish my money. The reality is this, how can we even put our faith in that? I mean, governments can overturn in a night. I've read about it in history. I've seen it and experienced different things. What about money itself? I mean, what is money at this point? It's more and more digital than ever. It's not backed by anything. Uh, you know, people are putting their faith in things called crypto more than ever. I mean, this is a very fluid concept we're talking about. What about the government itself? You know, I mean, things are going haywire and they, they give you money and the, everything starts inflating. And they're like, hey, we'll fix it. Let's raise interest rates. You know, they just play with us all the time, don't they? But the FDIC. Oh. The point of this is that when we see these assurances or these oaths or these things, we can see what Scripture's talking about. When people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it, just like a bank would with the government. And without any question, the oath is binding. But as we go deeper, God made a promise to Abraham, the father of the Hebrew nation. And since God couldn't swear on anything greater than himself, he is the greatest he simply said, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. God made a promise to Abraham, and he stayed true to his promise. Now, we're talking about being anchored on his promises right now. How many times has somebody let, it, let you down in life? Have you ever had somebody promise you something and not come through? I know I have many times that there are people that will what do they say? They, they write checks that they're, you know, 
What does it say? <laughs> right check, their mouth can't cash or something. I don't know the old saying. But, you know, people are making promises that they can't commit to. Or, or maybe they give you a, a fully hearted commitment in a moment, but then their life gets trouble and they don't stick to the commitment. What it does is it wavers our confidence in the process of a promise, doesn't it? I remember one time when we were just starting this ministry years ago, and there was a brother who helped us financially. And we needed to do this uh, gospel campaign overseas in Europe. And he, you know, he came through and donated like $10,000. It was such a miracle. But what was, he, he came on the trip. And when he came back, he said, brother, I want to tell you something. God told me, I'm your guy. I said, that sounds good. What does that mean? You know, he goes, that means when you hit your next need, you call me because he was a blessed businessman. He said, anytime you have a need, you call me and I'm going to do my best to help you. We're going to do big things. You can count on more and more of moments like this. And I said, "Woo, hallelujah. You know, when you're getting started in anything and you have someone give you a commitment like that, it just boosts your faith. Well, a few weeks later, I remember we had our, our next campaign we were planning and it was even more money. It was about $20,000 and we were very young ministry and that just felt like it would take a, a year or longer to see the money. And we didn't know if it would ever happen. I remember calling this brother. I said, hey, man, remember that conversation? We said, oh, yeah. So I tell him the whole thing. He says, this is the moment I told you about. I said, yeah, you're my best friend, you know. He said, how much is it? I said, it's like 20000 He says, no problem. No problem. I was like, I like this guy. Every time I call him, I feel good. I hung up and felt no problems, you know. I remember a few days went by and no check either, you know, and uh, then a few weeks went by and no, no nothing. I wasn't hearing nothing. And I'm calling this guy, not hearing back. And finally the phone rings. I see his name. I'm like, hey, brother, man, been missing you, man. We've been committing overseas. We've been taking steps. He goes, you know, okay, I think God changed his mind. I said, oh, really? What does that mean? He says, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to help you. And uh, I just didn't want to rob other people of their blessing. So, but you just, don't worry, God will come through for you. And he hung up the phone. Do you know how devastated I was? And stressed. Because I had made all my commitments based off his commitment. And then he dropped on me. Who's left holding that bag? <laughs> and you know, isn't that how life is at times? Now, there was some truth to it. I had no choice. I, I was either going to just give up or I'm going to go back to God the Father and say, Lord, what do I do now? And, man, I learned how to pray deeper. I learned how to seek the Lord in a new way. And I'll tell you, every need of that campaign got met. Come on, let's clap our hands and praise God. A lot of people got saved. A lot of people got help. But it hurt me. It put a distrust in me. Excuse me. And... When we go through life and people make commitments to us and then bail on the commitment, it's hard to trust the next person. So promises and our experience with promises and the context of promises can be very much built by our experiences with human beings. But God is not a human being. Can we all say amen? You live life long enough, people are going to break their promise. But God is a promise keeper. 
And just as he kept the promise with Abraham, there's nobody higher than him. And he says, you can take my word to the bank. I'm not only going to put my oath on somebody higher. There is nobody. So the oath is on me. The promise is on me. You can count on me. And so when we start understanding that God's promises are better than the FDIC, they're better than that businessman, they're better than that person who promised you the sun, moon, and the stars and let you down, it's completely different that God will never let you down. You start anchoring into the promises that God has for us. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to have a midlife crisis. Thank you, Lord. Jesus isn't going to just change his mind one day or go on some existential journey and go try and find himself in a new light and change everything that we know about him. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he remains the same, which is incredibly good news in the tumultuous world that we live in that is constantly changing where nothing feels stable. Christ is our solid rock. Can we clap our hands and praise God for that this morning? Now we read on Hebrews 6, 18, God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. I want you to be encouraged today because he is your hope. The specific hope that we have, he is firm and secure. He is an anchor for your soul. Are you glad about that today? You can anchor on the promises of God. Hallelujah. It's hard in the flesh, but this is where our faith rises up. This is where when you are hearing the word of God, your faith starts coming alive and you're looking at the natural circumstances and you're saying, man, everything in God's word says this, but everything in life looks like this. They're not aligning at the moment. This is why faith says, hold on to your promises. You begin to be anchored into something that is deeper than your current circumstance. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will hold you through any storm, and he's going to keep you right where you're at. This is point number two. Jesus is an anchor for our soul. We have to remember, as we are anchored in his promises, he becomes an anchor for our soul. Now, what do I mean when I say something like that? I, I heard this biblical commentator. I read this, and it was beautiful. I thought I'd read it to you. It says, hope accomplishes for the soul the same thing that an anchor does for a ship. It makes it fast and secure. An anchor preserves a ship when the waves beat and the wind blows. And as long as the anchor holds, the ship is safe and the vessel apprehends no danger. And so it is with the soul of a Christian. In the tempest and trials of life, his mind is calm as long as his hope of heaven is firm. Isn't that so good? If that gives way, he feels that all is lost. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about storms and trials and all these types of things. But for now, let's consider how peaceful it must be to sleep and work on the deck of a ship whose anchor is steadfast and secure. 
If you're anchored, you're firm and secure. Your connections are strong. There's a confidence that comes with this. There's a peace that comes with this. You might feel some waves start moving that vessel of your life, but there's something that's anchored down deeper than what you're sensing on the surface. Um, as anybody by chance, you don't have to raise your hand, you know, but you know, if you've ever been on, like, on a cruise ship, those are big vessels. Uh, maybe if you're in the military, you've been on a warship. These are huge vessels. It's a totally different thing, but the anchors are equally as big to hold the vessels. The same thing is true for a small fishing boat. That would be true for a huge vessel. But when the boat or the vessel has the anchor installed correctly, connected to a source, there is something that will hold that vessel that even when these storms start rocking the boat and you start feeling it, you don't freak out. You're like, hey, I'm good. And this is what the scripture is trying to get through to us. And I, I want you to understand that Jesus is the anchor for your soul. Because as those waves hit us, as those depressions, anxieties, worries, fears, trials, disappointments, problems come our way, we start feeling the waves. But there's something where you can look at that anchor and say, it's all right. We're not going anywhere. This anchor is going to hold. There is something to say about having our anchor being in Jesus. He's the anchor for our soul. He holds us firm. We can be confident of this hope. And because of this hope, as opposed to other things, it is firm and secure through all trials in our life. Everybody say amen to that this morning. And last, we are anchored in his hope. We're anchored in his promises. Therefore, he's anchoring our soul. But I want you to grab this. He's anchored. We are anchored in his hope. Now, we expect hope, church. We talk about hope a lot. How do you be anchored in hope? Well, it's not hope of the world. It's his hope. It's the hope he brings us. That's the difference. With so much uncertainty in our world, the turmoil, the confusion, all the division, is it any wonder that our cities, our cultures are struggling with epidemic levels of anxiety, stress, depression? Friends, families, neighbors, people we know, they're literally grasping for anything firm and secure to hold fast to. But everything they grab gives way. Hope wrongly applied will often leave us worse off than when we started. I think the biggest example of this I think of is, you know, social media. You know, you get on there and you're going through something and you're trying to just clear your mind maybe. You're just trying to see what's going on with someone else and you see everybody else and what they're doing. You know, and we, we jokingly call social media the false life of most people, you know. I mean, there are literally young people trying to make entire careers. They rent cars. They rent houses. They're not even owning them. They put fake charades on and say, hey, if you want what I have, you got to do what I do. You know, buy my course. Everybody wants you to buy their course right now. Isn't it amazing how many professors exist on the Internet now? I mean, I see more advertisements for professors of to make you a million dollars a day, you know? I mean, everybody, hey, you want to make $1,000 a day? It's so easy. Just buy my course. Now, I'm going to pay you $1,000. You're going to make another $1,000 a day. I'm going, I'm going to be dumber because I lost $1,000. Anybody understand what I'm saying? That these things are all over the, the map right now, but they're constantly hitting you. So when you hit a little bit of a trial or you hit a little thing on the side, you're looking for something to grab onto. What am I going to do to get out of this mess? How am I going to get to the next thing? Ah, I'm so unhappy. I need to get happier. Ah, I'm so 
unfulfilled. How do I find fulfillment, right? The internet's just going to be throwing stuff at you. And this is what I'm talking about. We start grabbing for hope anywhere we start seeing it. And it becomes a very emotional reaction if we're not careful and we're not anchored to something deeper. And so we're trying to anchor onto something that's going to give away and break away. So when we're anchored in his hope, it's a completely different thing that will lock us in in the midst of every trial. Now, in Matthew chapter 14, there's this awesome story I want to read about Peter walking on the water. And it says this in verse 25, Matthew 14, 25. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, said, do not be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And he said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Everything was going well for Peter until he took his eyes off Jesus and began to have doubts. This particular story reminds us to stay locked on to Christ. Stay fastened onto him, our firm and secure hope. There is nothing else. And since this life is so complicated and complex, I think this being pretty simple and straightforward is some good news. Can we say amen? Because remember, the anchor is simple in design, but it's powerful in its function. That many times we're trying to overcomplicate solutions that God has given us. We're trying to overcomplicate, how do I get through this storm? The waves and wind might be beating around you. You're going through it. Oh my gosh, I don't have any solutions. And the Lord's saying, you don't have to have a complex solution to your complex problem. I have a simple but powerful solution. And it starts when you're anchored by hope. We have to be anchored in his hope. The anchor is simple in its design, but powerful in its function. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be continuing to talk about, you know, anchors, boats, hope, Jesus. But in the meantime, it would be good for us here today to take some time this coming week to slow down, and spend some time thinking about the things or people that we've put our hope in. I want to challenge everybody to do this this week. Maybe your life feels, I know mine has many times, just feels a little out of control. <laughs> Anybody ever felt that? Anybody honest in here feel a little out of control in life? I want to encourage you this week, challenge yourself. If, if you're married or you have kids, do it as a family. Just take some time, slow down a little bit and say, God, what are we putting our hope in? What are we looking towards? Where's our life? Sometimes life is so fast paced. It's just, and it just keeps going. And you keep waiting for a break that may never come to your next vacation or something. But you know, we have the opportunity at any given moment in time to hit pause, hit the brakes and say, you know what? Let's slow down and have a moment. Let's slow down and have a moment with Christ in our family. And let's talk about what really matters. Let's talk about what we're putting our time towards, our life towards. Are we fulfilled in this? Are we finding joy? What do we feel like we're missing? 
can we slow down and think of the things we put our hope in? Maybe someone you've trusted left you in the past, or maybe has someone ever lied to you, misled you, or manipulated you? Are you anxious? Are you depressed? Have you ever felt fearful of people or places or situations? Do you know this generation, the uh, Generation Z, as they're currently labeled, is also labeled the most anxious and depressed generation of all time? They're terrified of so many different things based upon life experiences that they've encountered. This is something that's so real with the next generation. The devices don't help, by the way, because it creates a path of isolation. And so the thing fuels itself. And the enemy works so heavily through digital, we have to understand this and sense this. But the fear that comes from this is real. The anxiety is real. Depression is real. Suicidal thoughts are real. It's ravaging an entire generation. If you identify with any of these situations, it doesn't mean that you're weak, you're dumb, you're broken. Can I just say it just means that you're human? That these things that we experience means you're exactly the type of person Jesus came to die for. That he gave his life for you because he knew you'd be battling. Because we all battle. We're in this broken body, you guys. This isn't heaven yet. We're in a temporal world. But he came for us to rescue us. And I, I just want to take a moment here. And, hey, T, if you could just put a little background music on. I just want to have a moment. We're going to pull the house lights down for just a second. With your eyes closed in a, a spirit of prayer. I want you to know a few things today. Jesus loves you. He cares for you and his hope is available for you. It's an anchor for your soul. He wants you to anchor in him. And as a pastor, I want to encourage you to anchor in Christ because there's nothing else in this world you can anchor into. Everything else is temporary. I'm reminded in Mark chapter 5 of the woman with the issue of blood. For 12 years, she had this affliction. She spent all her money on doctors. She spent everything on medical science. She was outcasted at the time. According to the Levitical law, every time she touched anything, she had to be set aside. She was unclean. Then Jesus showed up. She pushed her way through the crowd. And she just wanted to touch the edge of his garment, thinking to herself, if I can just get to Jesus, he can do what nobody else can. And when she touched him, he did. He healed her completely. Physically, emotionally, socially, he restores her. You guys, he is our hope. He is firm. He is secure. And this is the hope we have to grab hold of. Even just the edge of his garment. If you've got Jesus, then you've got more than enough. I just want to pray today. I want to pray today for you. Father, for every person in this room, I thank you that you are our hope. Father, I thank you that, Lord, no matter what comes our way, when we are anchored in your promises, Lord, let us have confidence in your promises by faith. Lord, your word tells us we are victorious. Your word 
tells us, teaches us, your promises are available for us that you will take us through every storm, every battle. Your word says you are the lily in the valley of the shadow of death. Your word tells us you will guide us. You will lead us even in the place of our enemies and prepare a table. Father, I thank you. This is who you are. These are the promises you've given us. So Lord, right now, for those that have enemies, I thank you, God, you can even prepare a table for them. Father, for those who feel like they're in the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, there's no living things in that valley except when you're there. You're the lily that lives in that valley. Father, Lord, for those that are battling illness and sickness and even death through this, Father, I thank you, you are our healer. You are our provider for those that are battling financially. Father, you are our, our healer of our souls for those that are battling emotionally. Father, you are the mender of broken hearts. Hallelujah. Father, you give us forgiveness. Father, you forgive us even though we don't deserve it. And through that, you allow healing for us to forgive others. Lord, there's some of us today that have unforgiveness in our heart towards someone because they wronged us. Father, we can't forgive them without you. But Jesus, you said when we forgive those, you forgive us. That, Father, when we forgive those, you bring healing to us. So it's not for them even, it's for us. Father, I thank you, you can do all these things. And so today, we choose to put our hope in you. Today, we choose to slow down and say, God, what is your will for our life? Today, we choose to say this week, Father, I'm gonna anchor in something deeper than what I've been seeing. I'm gonna anchor in something deeper than my finance, my money, my career, even my family. <clears throat> Father, Lord, we wanna anchor deep in you. Lord, because that anchor is going to hold our family. That anchor is going to hold our career. That anchor is going to hold every challenge we have in life. Father, because you reign over it all. Hallelujah. So, Lord, today I pray hope in this room. I pray blessings in this room. Father, I pray people find anchors and promises. I pray that you anchor their soul and you anchor them in the hope of your word. And we give you praise, glory, and honor for it in Jesus' name. If you agree with me, come on, clap your hands and say amen today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? God is so good. Next week, you guys, we're going to take time and pray for every person who wants prayer. And we're going to dive deeper into this subject. But here's what I'm believing as we get into this series, that hope will begin to explode out of you. You know, we hit seasons in life where hope can fade if we're not careful. And we just walk through one battle after another and we're just existing and getting through and grinding through. But you know, Jesus's promise is John 10, 10. He wants us to have life and life abundantly. And he wants to give us that abundant life even through our trials. Hallelujah. Do you know how that happens? That happens when we're anchored to the hope of glory. You're going to get anchored this month. I hope you're excited. You can overcome anything with Jesus in your corner because you're anchoring to something that is beyond you and I. Well, I'm so thankful you've been here in church today. How many love Jesus? If you do, would you clap your hands? So next week, everybody say next week. We're going to get back into the word, but we're going to have some prayer time. And we're going to be believing God with you for some breakthroughs. We've been seeing this, by the way, 
the last few weeks, I mean, we've been, even this morning in our volunteer time, God was moving in our prayer time. We were praying for each other. There's something powerful taking place. So be a part of it. Get connected. And uh, if you can, be a part of our food outreach this week. There's no pressure if you can't be there, but uh, we're hoping a few people can so we can distribute the food. It's going to be an awesome week, and we pray an awesome week for you. And uh, so today at this time, if everybody would stand to your feet, I bless you in Jesus' name. And I pray you have a good day. But guess what? You're not leaving. You know why? Because we're about to have dinner. Anybody excited for family dinner in here? Come on. So before uh, you take off, if you're on the volunteer team, you probably know. So you stay. And Brother Lee, I know, is going to get you to work and uh, uh, different ones. If you're not on the volunteer team, you can be dismissed at this time. Give us about 10 minutes. And when you come back, we're going to feast it up. God bless you. We're so thankful you're here for church today. Thank you guys for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow to stay up to date in everything we're doing at Expect Hope. We hope this podcast encouraged you and that it will help you through any trials you may be going through. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed rest of your week.